You're listening to On Development, a podcast of the Millennium Challenge Corporation, or MCC. MCC is an independent United States government international development agency whose mission is reducing poverty through economic growth. In part one of this episode, Aisha House, MCC's Vice President of Congressional and Public Affairs, hosts a panel discussion on the importance and imperative of nutrition programs in the developing world with Sean Baker, USAID's Chief Nutritionist, and MCC's Katarina Kat-Intep, Deputy Vice President of Sector Operations. Aisha and our guests explore the foundational nature of nutrition and international development and how development agencies across government can best leverage their strengths for maximum impact in this critical sector. Sean K. Baker serves as the Chief Nutritionist for the U.S. Agency for International Development. In this position, he chairs the agency's Nutrition Leadership Council, oversees the vision and strategy of the agency's Center for Nutrition and the Bureau of Resilience and Food Security, and coordinates related efforts across USAID. He also guides USAID's investments and engagement with partners to address malnutrition in developing countries. Prior to joining USAID, Mr. Baker was the first director of nutrition at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He has over 30 years experience in global public health nutrition, including 25 years living in Sub-Saharan Africa and South Asia. Katerina Intep is the Millennium Challenge Corporation's Deputy Vice President for Sector Operations and MCC's Department of Compact Operations. Ms. Intep's previous role was as Managing Director for Sector Operations. In that role, she advanced key issues and supported efforts to improve operational effectiveness. From 2006 to 2013, Ms. Intep served as MCC's resident country director in Ghana, overseeing the implementation of the $547 million compact with Ghana. The program was focused on increasing agricultural productivity, diversifying into non-traditional crops, investing in infrastructure, and supporting community services development. Ms. Intep has worked in the field of economic development for more than 25 years, largely focusing on Africa. Well, I know that we all know each other and it was covered in the intro. So I just want us to just get right into it because we're a bunch of foodies. And uh, I think that a lot of people who will be following us on this podcast today will be really interested in getting into the details. So with that, I just wanted to go on ahead and jump in by saying, Sean, thank you so much for joining us over here at uh, the MCC podcast on development. Um we all know you and have worked with you in your role as the chief nutritionist for USAID. Um, and if I could just get us started with a question around that, um, your work is is shaped to inform and to frankly better all the development activities at USAID. So how do you find yourself kind of integrating into all of the different development activities as well as initiatives that are going on over at USAID when it comes to nutrition. Thanks, Aisha. And first, let me start off with thanking you and thanking Kat for inviting me to this podcast and also thanking MCC for all your engagement on nutrition. Kat is one of the senior nutrition champions for the Global Nutrition Coordination Plan. And Carolyn Wetzel-Chen is knees deep in developing that and her role as the co-chair of the technical working group. And to me, that illustrates really the U.S. government at its best working across all of our expertise to really 
elevate, accelerate global nutrition. And that's relevant for my role and what attracted me to it because Aisha, Kat, as you, as you know, you know, nutrition is not just the problem of one sector. It really needs to have the health sector come to the table, the food system come to the table, social protection, and it, nutrition and humanitarian settings is so important. Um, USAID has been a leader in nutrition for over 50 years, uh, and we are one of the most important donors in three of the most important sectors for nutrition, health, food systems, agriculture, and humanitarian assistance. And my role is essentially to how do we coordinate across those three pillar bureaus, resilience and food security, global health, humanitarian assistance, both to have a coordinated technical response, but also to elevate it through our internal nutrition leadership council so that it is at the top of the mind of the leadership across the agency. And I think to me, what perhaps excited me most about coming to this position was USAID being such a country-facing organization, much like MCC, where we are present on the ground in all the countries where it matters to, to uh, move the needle on nutrition, working hand-in-hand -hand with our partner governments and implementing agencies. So it's a real privilege through this position to have insights deeply into the humanitarian assistance, into global health, and to resilience and food security. And then uh, more than just a cherry on the cake has been able to be involved so deeply in this cross-agency work, both through the Global Nutrition Coordination Plan, as well as the refresh of the Global Food Security Strategy. So back over to you, and thanks so much. Great. I um, First, let me just say, MCC, we will take any and all shout-outs. So thank you very much for the shout-out. And you're right, Kat is amazing. And so uh, between the two of us, we will go back and forth and, and kind of toss our, our questions to you. So um, given the great transition you provided, I will toss it over to Kat to, um, to go ahead and throw a question at you as well. Yeah, um, so maybe before throwing a, a question out, uh, I could just uh, also uh, just uh, highlight and amplify some stuff that uh, Sean mentioned. Um, and that is the intersectionality among uh, uh, nutrition, uh, and food systems, uh, but also policy and institutional reform. That's so important. Um, and climate, which is a, an issue that we, we dealt, deal with a lot, uh, right now. Um, and so I, I think that, uh, at MCC, we, we focus on inclusive economic growth, but in order to have that uh, inclusive economic growth, um, you need a healthy, productive workforce. And so I think that, you know, it always comes back to, to nutrition. Um, so uh, I appreciate Sean's efforts in his current role um, as trying to bring coordination among USG agencies. Um, and so maybe I could just uh, ask Sean uh what is the benefit that you see of the current coordination plan and the way that uh, that USG is addressing nutrition now? And what what do you think is the the sort of uh, recipe for success in with our current approach compared to previous approaches? So thanks for that, Kat. And let me start out just to reinforce where you started with some of the data points. Uh, and I do this because. When I speak to audiences, even audiences who are deeply steeped in development issues, 
there's often not a recognition of the fundamentals that if you look at survival, 45% of all child deaths are attributable to undernutrition. Now, that's public health speak. What that means in reality is that while those kids may have died of something else, if they had been well-nourished, they would be alive today, almost half of all child deaths. And for those kids who do survive malnutrition, almost as tragically, we have fundamentally deprived them of optimal cognitive and physical development. So to me, nutrition, the evidence shows, is foundational to everything we care about, certainly uh, at USAID, and I would say across the U.S. government. That is, and, and to build on it further, we have a set of known solutions across the food systems, the health sector, and uh, in, in social protection, in humanitarian response. So we really can deliver. And if we deliver on good nutrition in that thousand-day window from conception through the child's second birthday, we actually lock in that potential. And that potential is transformational in children's survival and, and, and children's futures. And then the future of whole nations. And that to me, to then respond directly to your point, Kat, is what is so exciting both about the coordination we're doing within USAID, but also across the US government. Recognizing that we bring to the table three fundamental assets, obviously our financial resources, but then also an incredible uh, capital of technical expertise across the different agencies and the agency's different partners. And then our incredible convening power in our voice, because I think as a collective and as individual departments and agencies, we are listened to on the global stage. And being able to have a consistent message about this is the problem, these are the solution sets, this is how we can prioritize it. And we, if we want to deliver on the promises of the sustainable development goals, it's foundational to deliver on good nutrition. Uh, and I think we can see that on the way uh, across all the participating departments and agencies, senior nutrition champions stepped up a whole new a whole new structure to say, not only will we work at the technical level, we'll work at the political level to make sure that nutrition is a priority and the U voice of the U.S. government. And I think right now in this year, uh, the voice of the U.S. government and our commitment to nutrition is more indispensable than ever. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Uh, yeah, I fully agree. And um, I mean, I, I may keep bringing our conversation back to the economic uh, growth lens that that MCC brings. Um, but your point about um, uh, malnutrition and also stunting, it, it has lifetime implications for for uh, people. And in fact, that uh, even when uh, household incomes go up, uh, there's still a residual impact of of malnutrition and stunting into adult years, and so what we're, what we find in, for example, the MCC portfolio from in low income countries, but also low middle income countries, is while incomes may go up, the the impact of malnutrition and stunting is is there permanently, and it uh, it takes generations to uh, to work back from that, uh, and so. Um, I, I fully agree uh, on the importance of malnutrition for for cognitive and physical development, and, and later on for economic productivity. Um, so maybe that that uh, is a, another uh, 
question that I could ask is that um, the last week there was the uh, ministerial in Rome uh, that's uh, on uh, food systems, um, and that's the pre-summit to the October food system summit uh, that the UN will host. Um, then and then, of course, in uh, November, there's a, a nutrition summit in in Japan, um, and so we we have these uh, key opportunities to uh, not only express the USG commitment to nutrition, but also talk about the intersectionality of nutrition and food systems and climate, et cetera. Um, and so uh, how do you look upon those as, as, uh, as those opportunities? How can the USG sort of seize on this moment? Thanks, Kat, for bringing the economic voice to the table. I think it also illustrates the huge advantage of the coordination of how do we influence different sectors. And I do find of the audiences out there, we absolutely need to get on board. It is the finance ministers. And I think the estimate is that uh, probably malnutrition costs the global economy about $3.5 trillion each year. Now, that's a figure I can't even get my head around. And we also know that investments in nutrition are some of the most cost-effective in all of global development, bar none. Uh, so that voice at the table to understand that this is a fundamental economic constraint. Um, I look at this year, and I'm, I, I will go back, having worked in nutrition now for... Uh, Four decades, uh, I think, as of today, <laughs> this the current crisis uh, of the COVID nineteen pandemic is probably the biggest shock to nutrition I think we've seen in the last forty years. It makes the global food price crisis of two thousand seven two thousand eight, which in fact created Feed the Future, um, pale in comparison uh, because. Every system that families rely on to nourish their children uh, are being disrupted at the same time everywhere in the world, and we don't know where the end is. That's further complicated by if COVID-19 is a rapid onset crisis, the climate crisis is one that's been with us for a long time, is getting worse, and will be with us for a long time. And similarly, it is undermining uh, every system that families rely on, and those, in fact, bearing the brunt of malnutrition driven by the climate crisis are infants and young kids, those who contributed absolutely nothing to creating the climate crisis. So that's why we see this year as perhaps one of the most fundamental in the history of nutrition to get us back on a trajectory of meeting the Sustainable Development Goal targets, meeting the World Health Assembly targets. Uh, if you look at the projections of the impacts of the COVID pandemic, in the more pessimistic scenario, which is unfortunately the one that may be more likely, we could see an additional 13.6 million children suffering from wasting, the deadliest form of malnutrition. Uh, with that increase in wasting, the drop-off of nutrition services, that could translate over the next three years into an additional 283,000 children dying from uh lack of good nutrition. And that will have long-term consequences, Kat, like you've referred to, and increases of stunting up to um, 3.6 million additional children stunting, basically reversing years and years of progress. And mothers will suffer with increases in anemia, which has devastating consequences on their health, their productivity, and their children's health. Um, so 
that's all pessimistic, but I see opportunity. Because I think the discussion of food systems, I see so much of what we do in public health nutrition is digging ourselves out of a hole created by a food system that does not deliver safe, affordable, nutritious food. So to me, this is a huge opportunity. I think we started to see this in Rome with the pre-summit, and certainly the U.S. government delegation was on point here. The prime director of the food system has to be to nourish people, not to fill bellies with empty calories, to make sure we're filling bellies, and particularly of making sure that children and pregnant lactating women are getting the nutrients they need through the food system. Across the globe, in low- and middle-income countries, to give a uh, illustration of just how badly the food system is failing. Uh, less than 18% of infants and young kids in that critical period when breast milk alone is not enough, up until two years, from six months to two years, less than 18% are getting a minimum acceptable diet. Now, part of that's behavioral, but if you go to a country like Niger, where the cost of an egg and calorie equivalents is 23.3 times more than the cost of staples, you know that these nutritious foods are fundamentally out of reach. As we go further into the year with the Nutrition for Growth Summit in Tokyo, um, December 7th and 8th, uh, under the leadership to Japan, we have the opportunity to bring to the table not just the food system, but also the health system and the humanitarian system and really drive additional financial resources. The first ever Nutrition for Growth Summit was, to my mind, the first time the nutrition community got serious about financing for nutrition. You know, other communities such as HIV, malaria, tuberculosis, vaccinations had gotten more serious with replenishment. So I think Nutrition for Growth is best conceived as this replenishment moment to reassert uh, financial commitments and policy commitments from our partner governments, our fellow uh, donors, philanthropies, development banks, because if you look at the constraints on fiscal space right now, I think the importance of the World Bank and other uh, development banks investing in nutrition is going to be uh, greater than ever. So I'm incredibly excited about the opportunities, and I think we have an opportunity with U.S. government leadership uh, to really galvanize the whole community and re-embrace we are serious about indie malnutrition in all of its forms by 2030. We have the means to get that. We have the technical know-how. If we have the political will and the financial resources, we can deliver and really put an end to the scourge of malnutrition. That's great. And I just wanted to jump in because you all have said some key things. So we've talked about the three C's, COVID, climate, and frankly, cash, as far as the cost and if we have the ability to meet our, to meet our big, big goals. Um, and you also talked about food versus good food um, and the fact that we've been trying to, you know, solve a lot of the problems globally with regard to lack of food and food insecurity. But we need to ensure that that food is nutritious. Thank you for listening to On Development. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you prefer. And to learn more about MCC, please visit www.mcc.gov.